Floor is yours. Okay. Thank you for. I would, love, I would love to sit in that comfortable chair. But <laughs> I know, right? I'm it's really this. short, and when I sit in this class, I seats, can't see anyone who's sitting down. There's seats up front too. Yeah. If you need a seat, yeah. <laughs> Got a couple up here. Come on up here. Okay. Good morning. I'm Amy Serdaki, and um, I've been at Otter Creek for 11 years, 10 and a half years. And my husband Walter is over there. He's a shepherd. And my I have uh, two daughters, both in college. One is uh, at Made in the Streets for the summer, and um, which is a great and also not great sometimes experience. <laughs> I should have said that. Uh, uh, I love We're trying to recruit people to I know, come. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, she's having an amazing, amazing life-changing experience. And my other daughter uh, should be here momentarily. I saw this embarrassment of saying she's going to be late when she comes in. And she goes to college in Seattle. Um, I teach at Ravenwood. Can you put my PowerPoint up there? Uh, high school. So uh, Christy Douglas teaches with me at Ravenwood. Um, so my specialty is economics, not scripture. So Patrick, next month you're going to come teach foreign exchange market for me. That's fine. I'm dyslexic, and we'll see how that goes. So teaching is—I uh, love teaching, but teaching scripture is not what I normally do. Um, but thanks for the opportunity to do First Peter. Patrick and I were talking this morning about how uh, when we read epistles, we're usually reading Corinthians or Galatians or some you know major epistle at the beginning of the Bible, and we kind of overlook um, the ones, the smaller ones. So his his series on smaller epistles is really cool. So um, one of the things that I really enjoyed um, realizing in the process of preparing was how much we already know about Peter. When I don't know about you, but when I read the New Testament and it's a letter, I just sort of assume Paul wrote it. And <laughs> yes, I told you, I have no theological training. Um, but obviously, Peter wrote First Peter. And so what I'm going to have you do, we're going to have a little audience participation. And because um, I don't do a lot of lecture, so you're going to get used to talking, you're going to, several times you're going to have you talk to the people around you. So what I'm going to do is give you a couple minutes to talk to the people around you. If you don't know you, them, then introduce yourself. Um, and uh, I want you to go through a list, come up with everything you can think of that you already know about Peter. I'm going to give you a few minutes to do that. Ready, go. Just talk to the people around that's why I should never pause. That was so good. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, oh. I didn't know you were recording. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, not that many people. I mean, that's just probably all Paul. Okay. Their own situation or somebody else's. 
Anybody brave enough? Brave, be brave. <laughs> Okay, everyone's been quiet. Thank you. Um, my name's Daniel, and this is my wife Jennifer. And our story is that we are in the process right now of reinventing ourselves. Um, in just a little bit, it'll be one year since we moved back. Uh, we used to live in the United Arab Emirates. You probably heard of Dubai. We do not live in Dubai. We live in the capital, Abu Dhabi, and uh, I taught wow. English there for about 18 years. And uh, Basically, it was time to move back. Our parents needed us. Uh, I've left teaching, and my wife and I are both working for the same nonprofit, um, raising support for the ministry. And career change, life circumstance change. Um, you know. Our children have immigrated. They were born overseas. Yeah, so they were now all born abroad. So we are we're, we're living it. Um, <laughs> wow, we're we, in it right now. We are learning to parent our parents. Um, learning to let go of our children. Uh, looking for, well, I'm just going to say we're looking for a church. We've actually decided to be here. Um, but we live an hour away. We live, we live oh, an hour away. So it's complicated. Yeah. So there are yeah. just all sorts of nuances of everything. So. We'll get you a gas card. We missed. <laughs> 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 we appreciate that. We've missed the uh, discovery classes because I was down for three months uh, from back surgery. So. Yes, we are reinventing ourselves, and, and yes. these are the circumstances, and uh, it's difficult, and what's great about it, mainly just, for me, really, honestly, it's just knowing that our Creek's here. We've actually been listening to Josh online for several years, and we've kind of been in and out of the whole, like, Middle Tennessee Church of Christ, our Creek phenomenon on the edges, and all this, so... This for me right now is really probably the greatest thing. Is this a permanent change? Probably not. <laughs> she was nodding. Well, yeah, well, but what is? I mean, the kids will leave, and you know, so probably not. And how do we feel looking back on? I don't know. Ask me later. <laughs> what are your names again? Daniel and Jennifer. Thank okay. you. But my mom okay. is Glenda Hutchison. Jim and Glenda went here, and my dad passed away last night. Okay. Here. Yes. So. What nonprofit do you guys work for? Youth Reach International. And we'll love to tell you more about it later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One other. Yeah, Susan. We talked about a couple different things that we felt maybe were we inventing ourselves and things, but I think we kind of came to the conclusion, conclusion that maybe it's more reflecting and refining ourselves. I, I made a comment that mm. I feel like I'm in a constant state of reinvention, thinking of you know how to maybe make myself a better person or better Christian or wife or mother or whatever, um, and reflecting on what I maybe my expectations were, and then refining myself into what I should the direction I should go, rather than the expectations <coughs> I should go. So I don't think it's a permanent change, because I think it's a, um, it's just kind of a ever, ever, yeah, evolution, ever, ever flowing kind of thing. Um, I don't think I've had any moments of moving across the country for college or going somewhere else for school, you know, kind of thing, where um, I've lived in the South, I've, you know, I've worked for the same company for 10 years, you know, kind of thing. So even though I'm in my 30s, 
haven't had a huge move or shift or change to where I felt like I needed to or should, I guess. So, so I think that's why I think of it as a reflecting and refining. Mm -hmm. more so, very interesting. Sort of one very fresh and one ongoing. Okay, I would like you to open up to First Peter. I'm going to ask uh, all of you to read one verse. So I'm going to give you directions for that momentarily. Um, I'm going to skip the first part and pick up. Basically, the first part is the intro to the letter. Then there's a song of praise, like chapter First Peter chapter one, verses like three through twelve. It's a song. And then we're going to pick up in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And just to frame it a little bit, um, chapter 1 is kind of like what a Christian believes. And then chapter 2 is kind of like how a Christian behaves. I found out in research for teaching this class today that this is a great book to use for a new Christian. Um, it basically, like everything you need to know, all in one book, 1 Peter, who knew? So um, I'm going to ask, would you start with chapter 1, verse 13, and if you would just snake around, like across the first row, and then second row, and then third row, kind of snake around. If you don't want to read out loud, just say pass, and if the person next to you doesn't have anything to read from, if you would share. The reason I'm doing this is because this is super dense, and I had to read it like five times. I was like, Patrick, what did you do to me? There's so much stuff in here. And I can't, this is basically so that you can keep your attention because I had a trouble keeping my attention because there's so much in there. So just one, one verse each. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You must be holy in every aspect of your lives, just as the one who called you is holy. Verse 4. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, 16. Okay, 16. It is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb of <coughs> He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but an imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the Gospels preached unto you. So let me pause right there before Christy goes. Um, so that is a quote from, is it Ecclesiastes? I've forgotten. Um, but that is kind of the end of what Christians believe. And so moving into what, how Christians behave. If While we're reading chapter 2, and we're going to read all of chapter 2 and the first seven verses of chapter 3, uh, be looking for themes. I'm going to ask you what you think the themes are 
of what he's, you know, what's his message? What are, what's he trying to, what are the themes? All right, Kristen. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up for your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that I bid you that you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your <coughs> masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they're conscious of God. But how it is to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who, justly, who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The first seven verses of chapter 10. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that any of them do not believe the word and may be won over without words 
by the behavior of their wives, we may see the purity and reverence of their lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing the gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is a bright word from God's side. For this is the way of the holy women of the past, who took their husband God and his God for himself. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, following the Lord, and you are her children, if you do if you do good and do not hear anything that is frightening. In the same way, you husbands must be honored to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you work together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift with your wife. Treat her as you choose, so your prayers are not in vain. Oh, yeah, sorry, I have a chapter ahead. Actually, we're going to skip this section on suffering because next week Becky's going to talk about that. Um, hold on, I lost. Yes, that's right. Okay. All right, we're good. Okay, themes. What did you see as themes? There's a lot in there. David? You look like you want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Just set apart. Like, whether it's being specifically told you're set apart, or it's act a certain way so that you are different than everybody else. Yes, um, Paul, uh, not Paul. Peter is specifically writing, we skipped the intro, but he's writing to Christians in uh, Asia Minor, and the four areas that he's writing to are Bithynia, Pontus, Galatia, and Cappadocia, which are all there in what's now Turkey. And so this is, you know, the diaspora of Christians. Uh, some of the sources that I read, it's, it's you, well, everyone in the room who is more educated on me, tell me what the right answer is to this. Some people say he's speaking to Jews, Jewish Christians in the diaspora in Asia Minor, and others say, no, 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 he's talking to Gentiles. Do we know? We don't know. Okay, good. I don't know. All right. So he, he is specifically saying, you know, you're set apart because... That's the context. And by the way, he says he's writing from Babylon, and that probably means Rome, because, oh, my little circle jumped. Whoops. <laughs> um, my little circle is supposed to be around Rome. Um, uh, Peter ends up in Rome, you know, dies in Rome, so we think he's writing from Rome and calling it Babylon. But anyway. Back to themes. Okay, what other themes did you, what was the kind of common thread that you saw? Perseverance. Perseverance. Yeah, yes. Things are going to be hard, but push through. Yes. You're chosen. Yes, you're chosen. In fact, he kind of goes through like a bunch of metaphors of you're the chosen people like the, like the Israelites, you know, you are leaving your home and starting over and reinventing yourself. You are the cornerstone that uh, the church is being built on. You are the, a new temple, you know, a bunch of, bunch of metaphors all in the middle of chapter two about, about that. And what else? Are there donuts? <laughs> 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 that's not what I'm used to. <laughs> Any other? Yes. Submission. Submission. Yeah, I love that part, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
what what makes me feel better about this admission is that um, it's it's supposedly speaking to Christian wives who have unchristian husbands, non-Christian husbands, saying submit, and then saying to the husbands. Sub, uh, love your wives, and then saying to slaves, submit to the authority. But all of that is um, based on the predication that you are going to um, be redeemed. It's unfair suffering, and you're going to be redeemed through God's justice, and um, just like Jesus was. Um, okay, I think I have time. The, the last thing I want to do is... Um, show you the first few minutes, not the whole thing. There's a really cool, what I think is really cool, um, video. Uh-oh. Yes, just, here I have it. It's okay. Uh, it's an overview, and there's some things that we haven't talked about. Um, so... and he was part of the inner circle of the 12 disciples. When he made his confession that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus changed his name to Kephas, which is Aramaic for rock, which was later translated into Greek as Petros or Peter. Jesus promised that he would become a leader among the apostles to guide the Messianic community in Jerusalem through its earliest years. And that's what happened. Remember the early chapters of the book of Acts. Eventually, Peter was called to carry the good news of Jesus beyond the borders of Israel, however, and this letter was written decades into that mission in the wider Roman world. We discover at the conclusion of this letter that Peter is in Rome, which he calls Babylon, and we learned that while Peter commissioned the letter, it was actually composed by a man named Silvanus, who was a co-worker of Peter. This was a circular letter sent to multiple church communities in the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is in modern-day Turkey, and Peter learned that these mostly non-Jewish Christians were persecuted. They were facing hostility and harassment from their Greek and Roman neighbors. And so Peter wrote to encourage them in the midst of their suffering. And this helps explain the letter's design and its main themes. It opens with a greeting, and then it moves into a poetic song of praise to God, which introduces the key themes that are explored in the main body of the letter, where he first affirms the new family identity of these persecuted Christians, which will help them see their suffering as a way to bear witness to Jesus. And this has a way of focusing their future hopes on the return of Jesus. Let's dive in. You'll just... All right. If you're interested, find that on YouTube. Um, but what I want to say is like the real, pur like you just said, the real purpose of this is to help Christians in their suffering in this new reinvention of themselves in Asia Minor um, after they left uh, Israel. So um, I just want to pray over you as we leave and that hopefully that segues into Becky's class next week. Father, I just thank you for uh, this time this morning. Thank you for all the really interesting conversations that I heard. Father, I ask that you um, bind us together, that you help us to think about how you would have us reinvent ourselves uh, this week, this month, this year. Father, thank you for uh, the Spirit who is with us whenever we go out of this place. In Jesus' name, amen. And thanks. Grab a donut if you like, or the middle schoolers will eat them all. Very good.